Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie and Shell today. We are listening to Faith FM. Super stoked to have you guys with us. We uh, hope that you've had a great time. How are you going today, Shell? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Oh, it's good to hear. I'm very glad that you're doing well. Uh, thank you so much for filling in for a minute. You know, the funny thing about traffic is sometimes sometimes it gets a little heavier than you expect. So how have you been traveling over the holiday period? Yeah, really good. No, normally, I have to do all of mine before anybody is awake, so that works fine. <laughs> yep. Is that because you're uh, on the radio early in the morning? Is yes. that what you're talking about? Excellent. Yes. Excellent. And I think that's what Minnie is used to as well, which is why she wasn't expecting there to be some traffic today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, school's back for some schools this week and the rest of the school's next week, I believe, is it? So, yes. anyway. So, did you get up to anything over the Christmas break? Did you get a holiday at all? Look, we had the family come home, so that's always good. Oh, beautiful. So, our son from Queensland, here, he came home for a visit and... Yeah, it was just really nice, just some slow time, not having to stress. So That's so good. That's How super good. How about yourself? Good. Well, over the holidays, as per uh, per usual, I didn't get too much of a break over the Christmas period. I took the, the long weekends days just because my wife got those days off, so we took advantage of that. But I kind of figured church should run. A lot of people want to come to church that one day a year, so let's make the most of it. Yeah, cool. But uh, I got to have a, a week off last week, which was super exciting, and I got to go climb uh, the 10 highest peaks in Australia, which... Sounds more exciting than it probably is. Are they but it all was, close together? They're very you? close together. Okay. So I think I did 43 kilometers in 48 hours. It wasn't too bad. Wow. Um, it was beautiful. Got to go watch the sunrise at the top of Kosciuszko. It was my first time up there. So that was beautiful. So I highly recommend that to all of our lovely listeners. If you ever get the chance to go watch the sunrise or the sunset on the top of Mount Kosciuszko and be the, the highest point on the continent for the day, that's a pretty cool experience. Oh, so I'd highly recommend good. that. It was really neat to be out and just to be able to see – just just God's fingerprints all over the natural world. I think it's one of the most amazing things to, to actually be involved with is to go and see how God has designed such an incredible world with so much going on. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? Just to be able to see the glacial lakes, to see the mountains, to see animals out there. It just blows my mind how creative God is. So super excited to be back. It's been a few weeks, number of weeks since uh, since I've been back in the studio. So super excited about that today. And uh, we've got a great Bible study lined up for you guys. What we are, are we going to be looking at? Oh, we are going to be starting a five-week series on the book of Philippians, which is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. My favorite passage in the whole of Scripture is in Philippians chapter 2. So we're going to be talking about that coming over the next number of weeks. And today we are, in fact, going to be starting with a little bit of context, and we're going to actually do the backstory leading up to Paul's journey into Philippians. We're going to hear a little bit of some testimony from myself today, a little bit of a story from over the break, and uh, we look forward to having that with you guys, so stick around. It's going to be a great show today, and Minnie has just arrived in the studio. This is Guinea Owens' Don't Waste Your Life.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're super excited. I want to do a shameless plug right now. I don't know what our giveaway is going to be, but we are planning to have a giveaway today for our first caller in for our Question of the Week segment, and you can call in and ask about any of your Bible questions, questions about God, questions about spirituality. We'd love to hear from you. We have a portion at the end of the show for that, so if you are the first caller in, you'll receive a free something that we'll tell you about in the next after our next break. But it has come this time of the show where 
where we tell you some weird and wonderful facts about this world that God has made. So what do you have for us today, Minnie? I'm going to tell you about leeches. Yes. So- <laughs> I hate leeches, but hopefully today I will learn something positive about them. Well, see, this is how I started being interested in leeches is because I hate them and they love me. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, if I can learn the path. That's a terrible kind of relationship to be in. It's very one-sided, isn't it? Isn't it, though? And I was like, I saw a leech on the weekend. No, on Tuesday, actually, on, on Australia Day. Just one. Oh. Just one. See, if I was there, they would have been like, oh, let's get her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Not as bad as ticks. But anyway, you tell me. Oh, nah, ticks, ticks don't like me, so I'm okay. Basically, I think these are quite interesting. There are 700 species of leeches. I didn't know that. 700. Yeah. And scientists- that's like that's like you take take one bad thing, multiply it by seven hundred, <laughs> and that's what you've got Fantastic, with leeches. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got a funny leech story, we invite you to text that into us or call in and let us know. We'd love to hear your leech stories or a story about your friends. You know, yeah, or your friends. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's great. Just chuck them under the bus. <laughs> nah, um, but yeah. So I find it quite interesting. Their blood is green because the main protein in their blood is chloro. I don't know how to pronounce it. Something like chlorophyll from the sound yeah, of things. Something, something to do with green, which, you know, we have like really? hemoglobin. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just something to do with the protein in blood. I don't know much about how that works, but wow. I think it's kind of cool. Um, Can you though- imagine how much different it would be if you cut your knee? Because I cut my knee climbing <laughs> this week and it was bleeding down my leg. And uh, can you imagine how much different it would be if your blood was green? It's just like... Not if everyone's, just yours. Like, that, oh, would, that would be an astonishing would thing. Be weird. Anyway, sorry, I, I digress. No, but so you know what it reminds blood. me of? You know how it's... I mean, I don't watch alien movies, but like, there's always like some green kind of slime if an alien gets cut. That's what it reminds me of. I'm like, slugs. See? <laughs> they got go. the idea from slugs. <laughs> uh, but what I find interesting is obviously, you know, we kind of hear stories that you know, thousands of years ago, you know, they used leeches in therapy, like for medicine. Medicinal. Yeah, yeah, to bleed people out. Yeah. So, which is not really modern science has shown that's the bad idea. But they still use leeches in some modern medicine. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know okay. they use maggots to eat away dead flesh in certain instances. Uh, yeah, sorry, all, all the <laughs> listeners who are gagging right now. We apologize for that uh, public service announcement. That's next level yuck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so basically what they found is so it's made a com- comeback initially because of spectacular results in plastic and reconstructive surgery. Really? Mm. What, uh, did they say why? Uh, so, because of, I don't actually know what this means, but post-operative venous congestion and graft rejections is the problem, and it helps with pain management and also because, philosophy I was just reading, um, basically... The things that it helps with are things like swollen areas. Yeah, um, decreased swelling because it's going to tr- draw the blood out of that area. That's right. And so Fascinating. Be- because it has like a lot of antiseptic in the saliva, which we, you know, well, maybe you don't know, but if you guys don't know, if you've never got a leech, lucky you to begin with, but <laughs> you often don't feel them on you because first they kind of inject a certain sort of antiseptic thing and then they have a anticoagulant in your blood to keep it bleeding. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that. But one time, one time I was out, I was out, I was on a, on a, a canyoning trip i think it was to the blue mountains and i drove back from the blue mountains so three and a half four hours i get back i was working in the outdoor industry at the time so i've i've taken a group back to the 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 campus where they were studying unloaded all the gear filled out my paperwork then driven home and then discovered a leech that had sucked its way on my foot the entire drive home and was swollen up like a kidney bean sitting there in the bottom of my shoe rolling around like a marble i get so ooh. yeah (laughs) 
They do their work well, man. They do their work well. They do. They do. See, I um, when I was in India, I got these leeches on me, but they like were everywhere, and they were fat, man. And when I pulled them off, were they fat to start with, or just after they had their feed? Well, both. Okay, that's the thing. Because they're a different variety. The, the Australian it's leeches are very disgusting. thin in comparison to North American leeches, Ooh. which are much bigger. Yes. And I think it carry more disease. Yeah. Well, that's a factor. But in what I was also going to say is for. Um, veterinary science, uh, not science, medicine, they also use it because apparently it helps with, um, oh, I've lost it. I've lost it. Somewhere it helps here. with something. Do, it, do, do, <laughs> no, it's so specific. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, no, because of the, as I said, the bioactive substances have therapeutic effects. So anticoagulants, as I just said, Vaso- For those that don't know what that means, that means it stops blood from scabbing over, oh, coagulating. Yeah, yeah, let's play this game. Let's see if Robbie knows what these mean. It's a vasodilator. So it dilates your veins. Okay. Thrombolytic? That's my guess. Throm- thrombolytic? No idea. Yeah, she don't know what that one is. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a doctor. I just yeah. read books. <laughs> but yeah, and so for, for animals- 30 seconds left. Oh, okay. Okay, we can smash it. Yeah, it helps with like hip and elbow dysplasia, disease of tendons and ligaments, and disease of vertebrae and treatments of scars. Wow. Um, some of them have 300 teeth on multiple jaws. Wow. Um, which That's is kind of disgusting. Um, but super fascinating. It's amazing. You know what I'm taking out of this? My takeaway from this is that even in the midst of sinful, broken world, Mm -hmm. God is able to bring good things out of bad situations, even like leeches. Absolutely. Well, we'll be back in a moment. This is Carter and Carter, somebody bigger than you and I. Somebody bigger 
Welcome back. This is Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. Um, we have, before we go to our next section, we have a giveaway, which is the first person to send us in a like spiritual question for our question of the week is going to get The Great Controversy Ended. It's a book by Ellen White. Super interesting if you're just interested in kind of the history of the Christian journey through time. Um, super fascinating. All you have to do is be the first caller in. Um, our numbers are one 800 324 843, which is also 1800 Faith FM, or shoot us a text on 0491 064 669. It's time for our uh, testify section. And Robbie, you're going to share some of your experiences um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Tell yeah. Us, so, tell us some you know, one of the coolest things about being able to share testimonies is that, I mean, if you if you live in a church context where you're a regular churchgoer or you've, you've kind of been in Christian circles, often when we say, you know, share your testimony, what ba- mm-hmm. people basically mean is share your conversion experience, mm. how you got to know Jesus, what life was like beforehand, what life has been like after. Um, but that's only one part of your story. You know what I mean? Like that happened for me when I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old. And there's a whole lot that's happened in the last 15 years. Yeah, Lots yeah. of stories about how Jesus has worked. So I thought I would just share a little bit about what what God has been doing in my life in the last couple of weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to go be a speaker at a Christian summer camp down in um, Jindabyne, New South Wales. And uh, I got to work with these kids who were 10 to 13. I got to work with a bunch of awesome volunteers. Um, like, like think about this. Think about taking a week off from your normal life taking annual leave or something else and then paying 50 bucks to like cover some fees to actually go and volunteer for a week to do summer camp. Like where I grew up, if you went to summer camp, you were getting paid to work there. Maybe not much, but you were getting paid. And um, it's pretty amazing to me that people would dedicate that kind of time to invest in these kids. But it was just a real blessing. Um, What I wanted to share was that I got to the opportunity to speak. So each evening we would, we would do a uh, like a worship program, you might call it. We would share stories about Jesus. We would sing songs and um, have an opportunity to share with the kids. And I was talking about the theme for camp was how Jesus brings freedom. Mm. And uh, so we went through and shared a bunch of stories about how Jesus has brought freedom into the lives of people, what he does, etc. And what was really amazing to me is just seeing kids make decisions. Mm. We got to the end of that week and I, I made a... a, a I would call it an appeal for those that don't know what I mean by that. That means I was I was asking or, or providing the kids an opportunity to respond to what they had been learning about Jesus and to make a decision 
to follow Jesus and to take a next step. Now, some of these kids were from Christian homes. Some of them weren't. And, you know, it was amazing to see what happened. So I made an appeal and I, I provided an opportunity and I thought, I'll go with the big guns first. Mm-hmm. We'll make the big decision. Then, you know, some decisions that may not be quite that level. And so I, the first thing that I asked at the end of the week was, if you'd like to commit your whole life and surrender to Jesus Christ and be baptized as a symbol of your total commitment to him, like everything. I said, just invite you to come and and stand over here and and come grab one of these things as a way to to act out physically what you're deciding in your heart, to kind of seal that in your head. Mm. And it blew me away, like 50 out of 70 kids at least stood up and came up the front. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. And what's amazing about that is it has, well, one, it has nothing to do with me and it has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. Mm. But what's amazing about that is I was thinking about it during that week and I remember talking about this with some of the staff at one of our morning meetings was that throughout that week, you need to provide opportunity to meet those kids where they are. Like my job is not more important than anyone else's job there because You've got to have rapport with people. When people know that you care about them, they care so much more about what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, fully. So if one of the biggest things that we made sure we were doing that week was, hey, let's actually care about these kids enough to invest time in them. Let's hear their stories. Let's spend time with them. Let's have fun with them. Let's laugh with them. Let's cry with them. Let's have an experience with them that lets them see Jesus in the way that we interact with them. That way, when we are talking about Jesus, they're not shut down by us being poor representatives and they can actually see Jesus. And it was really amazing to see those results. The other thing I really wanted to share about that is that that was one part of the journey. That was one week. And like I said, a walk with Jesus is not just a turning point of a conversion story. It's all of life beforehand, meeting Jesus, and then all of life afterwards, Mm -hmm. right? I've been following Jesus personally for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And, um, it was amazing to see the decisions that were made, but one thing that I, I thought was just really important to remember is that those decisions that they made are decisions that happened in a moment, but have to be followed out for a lifetime. And what I mean by that is that there needs to be follow-up. So those kids were in an environment where it was easier to make a spiritual decision. They were surrounded by spiritual people in a safe place where we were talking about Jesus and it was okay to do that. What happens when they go home? Who's going to follow up with them and help them to learn, well, how do I take that next step with Jesus in real practical life away from that environment, away from that setting? Who's going to be the people who were investing in them enough to get them to a point where they were open to even hearing about Jesus? And it just reminded me that we have opportunities around us all the time for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus to share the good news and help people get from step negative five to negative four Mm -hmm. and from step zero to step one and from step nine to step 10. And not any of those steps is unimportant. The decision for baptism is one of those steps, but the decision before that is just as valuable. This is a station ID from Ginny Owens. Oh, I got that song wrong before. This is Ginny Owens, Don't Waste Your Life. I've been trying to make a living But I haven't got a life Chasing dreams with tunnel vision I'm running out of time Somewhere I lost what I've been missing I look but never find I never find No Stop long enough to pray for wisdom and I waited for an answer Opened up my heart to listen 
what is it I'm here for? And in the noise of all my questions, I finally heard a whisper, a still small whisper. be more forgiving a program called forgive to live it's designed to help us all improve our lives you'll discover the healing power of forgiveness a relationship breakdown long-term hurt unresolved conflict through forgive to live you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life so if you're keen to take that first step head to forgive to live.org.au Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie, and we have come to that portion of our show where we're getting into our Bible study time. And I'm super excited because what we're starting today is um, the first of a five-part series going through the book of Philippians, um, which we haven't really done 
anything quite like that on this show yet. Everything we've done has pretty much been narrative based. Mm. And uh, Philippians is a book um, that Paul wrote. Well, he didn't write it as a book. He wrote it as a letter. And he wrote it as a letter to a group of believers in a city in the Macedonian province, which we might consider Greece today, um, to the the believers that were in that church. And uh, that letter has become this book of Philippians. So that's what we're going to be starting. And I'm super excited about it because... Well, the, to be totally honest, the book of Philippians contains my favorite passage in all of Scripture. And uh, I'm super excited to go through that passage and go through some other things. It's a very encouraging book. It's actually probably the most positive of all of Paul's letters. There's not any real harsh rebukes to anybody in that church. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited about it. So that's what we're getting into starting from today. And uh, before we get any further, I just want to invite God's presence to, to lead us as we open his word. So we're just going to have a prayer. Father God, I just want to pray that you'd fill us all with your spirit, those who are listening in, those who are in the studio, and we just pray that your word would speak to our hearts, because your word is a living word, and by the power of your spirit, it can bring change, it can bring conviction, it can bring all sorts of things. So we ask that you would do that in Jesus' name, amen. Mm. All right, so before we get into the actual reading that we're doing today, I just want to read the first verse of Philippians, and it goes like this. It says, Paul and Timothy... Bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints or believers in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, question. Who wrote the letter to the Philippian church? Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. Okay, mm. this is, that was super fascinating. He mentions <laughs> Timothy who's with him, mm. which we're going to find out about in the journey, hopefully a little bit later. But one of the things that's really important for us to do as we read Scripture is that when we, when we read any book or any passage of Scripture, context helps us to understand mm. significantly more of what it is that we're reading and helps us to have a much better chance of interpreting what that should mean for our life today. Because if we can't understand what something meant for then, <laughs> then understanding what it means for now is almost impossible. Mm. And so as we look at this this book, what we've decided to do today is rather than jumping into Philippians chapter one, we've read the first two verses and it says, who wrote the book? Paul and Timothy. It says who they wrote it to, the believers in Jesus in the city of Philippi. And that is where we need to stop and go, and go backwards and say, okay, well, well who's Paul? Mm. Who's Timothy? Who are, the believers in who are the believers in Philippi? How did that all get started because he's writing to an established group at this point he's mm. addressing them and there's a whole backstory behind that and the question is is there any backstory that we can learn from scripture that tells us about that and the answer to that is yes and so today what we're looking at is we're actually going to start our study of philippians by reading the book of acts chapter 16 so if you're following along with the bible that's the fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. And so, Minnie, if you could read for us, oh, sorry, verse 6, we're going to start with. So, Acts 16, verse 6, and if you could read 6 through 10 for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Acts 16, 6 says, now when they had gone through oh, Phrygia, Phrygia, I don't know, they're in the region of Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into oh my days, Bithynia. You're but- doing good. It's a dead language. <laughs> no one knows how it was actually pronounced then. Don't worry about it. Confidence Say it with confidence yeah. and everyone will believe you. But the Spirit did not permit them. So passing to Mysia, they came to Troas. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Awesome. Okay, so mm. aside from that we've learned <laughs> that the names of the Greek places are difficult to understand, <laughs> uh, difficult to pronounce, what, what, what is happening here? Well, it's pretty interesting because they're on their way, like they are going out as missionaries, but they're trying to go and the Holy Spirit is like, nah, so they try to go somewhere else. Holy Spirit is like, nah, then there's this vision of a man from Macedonia. And he's like, ah, okay, Lord's calling us there. Totally. I think this is super significant because it demonstrates a number of things. Number one, Paul and those who were with him, Timothy and Silas, mm. they were on a mission. And their mission was to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody who was willing to listen. Yeah. And you got to understand that for Paul, this is not just about like faith intellectually. This is about faith in real life. Hmm. Because when you know Jesus and you believe in who Jesus is and what he teaches, it will impact the way that you live. And this will impact the whole culture of who you are. Yeah. It will change, not necessarily instantaneously. But it will change you. Um, and praise the Lord for that because Jesus is just next level. Like nobody, nobody looks like Jesus. Yeah. But the more that we spend time with Jesus, the more he will be reflected in our life and the better our life will be in the sense that we will become more like Jesus. And that will help others to see him more clearly. And so this is their mission. And I love this. It indicates that in the mission, those who are wanting to serve and to follow Jesus and to share Jesus, it indicates here that they're connection with the Holy Spirit should be very tight, mm. right? Like, mm -hmm. what are they doing? We're, we, were, we were going here. We were in the region of Galatia, which is a region to the east of Macedonia, east of where the Philippian city is. And they were trying to go here, and they were going here, and then it says, but the Holy Spirit did not let them. Mm. In other words, God said, I'm sorry, no, 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 you've got plans, <laughs> but your plans and my plans are not in sync right now, so No. You're going to have to go this way. But you can't do that if you're not in tune with the Spirit, right? 100%. And now, how, how in the world did that happen? Any ideas? As in... Like, how did, how did they hear from the Spirit? There's a lot of silence there on I the don't, I don't know. As in, do you mean, like, it was an audible voice, or was it? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, I don't know. Does it tell oh, us? Yeah, no. No, it just says that it just, they didn't... It just says the Spirit did not, did not permit, permit them. them. Yeah. So we don't know. We yeah, don't know exactly right. what it is that... That, that would happen there. Were they told that? Mm -hmm. Was it just that they met with so much opposition so many times that they started to pray about, well, maybe this isn't it. What is it, God? Mm. But when they're praying and when they're seeking for God, it says that God gave Paul a vision. Now notice this. He's on the mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's trying by God's grace to do whatever he can, wherever he can. Mm. And when he's in the midst of that and he's not getting it, God steps in and gives him some more direction. Mm. And I think that's a helpful thing. If you're looking for direction in your life, you got to ask the question, am I doing what I can where I am now? Because if I'm not doing that, maybe maybe I'll find direction when I start doing what I can where I am. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, fully. And fully. so I think that when we're looking for God's direction, be active in what you're doing. Mm. Actively, actively wait, you know, for the Holy Spirit. Don't be just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, but actively wait. And really, sorry, I was Go just going to jump in to say on just a practical life aspect, that's actually the way things often are when we're looking for any kind of change in our life, right? You know, oh, okay, so I'm a uni student. So if I'm like, man, I'm waiting to get through this degree, 
it has to be an active waiting mm. because otherwise I'm going to fail on my units and I'm not going to come out with the thing I want. If I tomorrow decide I want to, I don't know, just get mad fit, I can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the results. That's like, right. I have to go participate, out. Participate. Yeah, participate. And like this is a very normal part of life. So it actually kind of makes sense that there's a spiritual like parallel to that. Totally. You know, it's like totally. if I have to do it in everything else, it's like, no, no, but this is different. Mm, like, is it though? <laughs> That's right. Like God gives us opportunity. What are we doing with it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we're doing something with God's opportunities he's given us, of course he's going to lead us into further opportunities. Mm. And so he does. And I love that the way it says it. It says, after he'd had the vision, he'd seen the man from Macedonia saying, come, help us, help us. He says, immediately we sought to go there because we concluded that the Lord had called us. Yeah. It doesn't specifically say that the Lord had called them, but that's what they concluded because of the vision. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to go for it. Like sometimes God gives us enough of a lead to say, hey, this is what I think God is calling for. Now we could sit and twiddle our thumbs and say, no, 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 he's got to make it even clearer, even clearer, even <laughs> clearer. Even. And then there are some people who do that and then they never move. Mm. But God's given them invitation 16 times, but they just... There wasn't enough of an invitation for them to be convinced. Oh. Perhaps sometimes we need to be willing to lean in yeah, come and on, say, man. okay, God, if I'm doing something that's in line with your principles, it's in keeping with your your precepts as as revealed in Scripture, it's in line with your character, I give you permission to like stop me, but maybe I need to take a step forward in faith. Mm. So hopefully that's a blessing and not a curse to everybody who's listening. <laughs> but I found that to be a blessing in my life. All right, so they decide we're going. So let's keep reading. Let's read verse 11 through verse 15. Okay, therefore, sailing from Charas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, ding, 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 buzzword, just saying, uh, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Verse 14, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her husband were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Oh, I love this. This is so cool. Okay, so, so what's going on here? They've traveled around a bunch of other cities. Mm. Basically, the point is they made haste, yeah. right? <laughs> Therefore, we sailed from Troas. We ran straight to Samothrace. The next day we came to the city and from there we went to Philippi. In other words, he's saying, we raced. Uh -huh. God said, here you go. He opened the door. And so what did they do? They actively, they hard out, doggedly pursued the goal. Mm -hmm. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. That's where the door that God has opened. We're going full throttle. And that's the way that Paul seems to have lived his life. Pretty <laughs> full on, yeah. pretty full throttle. And they arrive. And so what happens when, well, well here's a question. So it's, it's very interesting. Everywhere in Acts, Paul starts with a certain group first. If he arrives in a city, he goes to minister somewhere first. Any ideas on where that would be? So he normally goes to the synagogue. Boom. Okay, so what's a synagogue? So it's a place where, specifically for the Jews, where they would gather together generally on a Sabbath day. You kind of, it's your teaching place. Um, often, I think it was, what, you had to have like 10 males who could be there? There we once. go. Yeah. So Okay, so I've, I can't remember the numbers just offhand, but I think it was approximately 10 yeah. Jewish men as a quorum, yes, it might have been twelve, uh, but it's around about that figure. Depends on which which uh, scholarly article you go from, which mm. tradition, because the rabbis had different rabbis had different traditions about this. But basically, if there weren't enough Jewish men to raise up a synagogue, the people would instead gather in a small group 
without building a synagogue, which was essentially a church building. Mm. They wouldn't build that building. They would gather together outside, typically, and they would meet. And they wouldn't go through exactly all of the traditional rituals of the synagogue, but they would pray together. They would meet together and have spiritual fellowship. Mm. So think about this. Paul arrives in Philippi, and he goes, okay, plan A, I'm going to the synagogue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews who are looking for Messiah. So I'm going to go there first because they're already looking, and I'm going to introduce them to Messiah. Mm. I'm going to introduce them to the coming Messiah, the one who is anointed of God that we've been expecting and waiting for for thousands of years. We're going to go there first. That's very logical. He arrives in Philippi. It's not there. There is not a <laughs> synagogue. No <laughs> so what does he do? Does he give up, pack up, and go home? Well, he goes to where people are gathered. He goes, okay, maybe there's a group of believers who are not enough to be in a synagogue. And so he goes outside of the city and finds a group gathered together to pray mm. outside by the river. And he goes there first. And what I love about this is this. God's not in the business of forgetting about people because it got a little difficult. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so Paul's not in the business of forgetting about people because it got a little bit difficult. He says, hey, plan A didn't work, so where's plan B? Couldn't find anybody in a synagogue because there wasn't a synagogue, so where's my next option? Where am I going next? Mm. When people in the synagogue would reject Paul's message, he would then turn to the Gentiles. He'd say, okay, I've tried. I've tried to save the people who already are looking for the Messiah. They don't want him. Let me go to the people who have not been looking for the Messiah and see if they want him. Yeah. And so this is what he does. He goes from plan A to plan B, from plan B to plan C, and he, he, he exhausts all the options before he moves on because he wants to give everyone an opportunity to meet Jesus. Mm, and if we look at his life, we really see that actually oftentimes he, put, he puts himself in the way of inconvenience. Mm. Like, and we're going to see that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just like, oh, whoops, I kind of stumbled upon you. It's like I'm going to go – inconvenience myself to seek out as you said the people who like maybe maybe they want to know maybe they are gathering maybe there's a whole bunch of maybes and a whole bunch of suffering that paul goes through to share the gospel yeah like and it's incredible it's incredible testimony he says i have become all things to all men that by all means i might save some right yeah he says i've done everything to every like for everyone Mm -hmm. in every instance so that by everything i've ever done I might mm. save some. some. And I love that, yeah. right? Because he's not saying I did it because I was going to be successful. He says I did it in case I could be successful yeah. for some yeah. because they matter. Yes. And so I'm going to give everything I can for the sake of some. Isn't that amazing? That's a rebuke, man. <laughs> you know, it is a rebuke. But what's amazing about that is that is the ministry and the passion that we see in Jesus. Yes. And when we see Paul's life, what we see is a radical follower of Jesus who has caught the fire because of what Jesus has done in his life. So he's now ready to take what God has done in his life. He thinks it's so radical, so life-changing, so important, so foundational that it's worth doing everything for in the event that someone might choose to say yes. Free. 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And just a reminder, we are so stoked to have you guys back with us. This is our first week back from uh, from holidays, yeah. back live. So tell your, tell your friends, tell your family, hey, Real Faith is back on. We got opportunity to come and learn about Jesus. So on that note, if you've got any questions, we would absolutely love to hear from you. It's my favorite part of the show is hearing from you guys and being able mm. to address some of your questions about Jesus, about God, about faith, spirituality, make them practical, make them theological, make them hairy and twisted, whatever. Like, We'd love to hear from you. We genuinely would love to hear your questions. So our first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a book called Great Controversy, which outlines the history of the Christian church from the fall of Jerusalem up through beyond, well all the way mm. pretty much yeah awesome deals with prophecy as well um in the last days so it's a great book uh highly recommend it and if you are our first caller in today you'll receive it for free in the mail so please call in if you'd like to call in with a question you can call 1-800-324-843 that's 1-800-FAITH-FM or you can text us at 0491-064-669 that's 0491-064-669 you can text that away and we'd love to hear from you Sure All right, so we've just been talking about the story, Acts chapter 16, for those who haven't been following along, and we are reading about Paul. He's just arrived in the church, or sorry, the city of Philippi. There's no synagogue to preach to, so he goes with plan B, and he finds a group of people who are God-fearers or Jews. We don't know too much of the story there at this point, but these folks are seeking for God, and they're praying outside the city by the river, and what's the response? Well, they do respond. Like in verse five, uh, sorry, 14, it says that uh, the Lord opened her, being Lydia, one of the women, um, opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And then she responds by like, obviously either her husband is there or maybe not because it says it's the women who were gathered. She shares it with her husband. They get baptized and they go, come, come be with us longer. You know, don't go yet. Oh, totally. Now, check this out. This is awesome. Think about this. Paul rocks up. Now, Paul lives in a society in which women are lower class citizens, mm. second class citizens, right? He comes from a culture in which um, to, to have kind of like a spiritual conversation in a public place, a man and a woman, is not appropriate. But he's arrived in this place where it says there are specifically women who are meeting here. So this is a group of women. So there, there's no men there. They don't have enough men to make a synagogue, but there are women who are faithfully serving God and loving God. Mm. Here they are. They're coming to worship. And so Paul finds them. He sits down and he speaks to the women. He's yeah. cross-cultural. Why? Because he believes that everyone is important enough to hear about Jesus. So he goes and he starts to speak to them. The Lord opens her hearts to the things spoken by Paul. So she believes. She becomes a believer in Jesus. And when she and her household were baptized, she then goes, hey, Please, it says she begged Paul, mm. begged them saying, hey, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come stay at my house. And I love this because what happens here is there, there's no synagogue. There's no, let's, let's have a church building. There's none of that. 
Here's a woman who is wealthy. It says she was a seller of purple. She was a person who uh, sold purple dye, which meant that she was probably a wealthy woman. Yeah. She was she was a businesswoman. Like this is very different. And so in this circumstance, she says, hey, turn my house into your mission base because I believe so much in the Jesus you're talking about. I want my home to be the church. Ooh, yes. Is that amazing? Yeah. And oh, so no. when we talk about the church that we are, we're, we're going to be learning about over the next four weeks, where was that church meeting? At a house. In Lydia's household. Yeah. Because her household was the beginning of the Christian church in Philippi. Yeah. That's the church. So good. Her and her house who chose to believe in Jesus. That's the church. Mm-hmm. The church was not some big building, not some big thing. No, no, no. The church was her home. Mm. Isn't that amazing? And so these believers are the first believers in Jesus in Philippi. And that's where the mission starts from. So let's keep reading. Let's read on from verse 16, and uh, we'll read up through about 19. Okay. So verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to authorities. Okay, so this is hectic, (laughs) right? Like, sometimes people think that this kind of stuff only happens in the Bible and it doesn't happen now or it only happens in third world countries. It's not true. We've had to deal with it in our church plant at least twice already and we've only been in existence for two and a half years. There's a spiritual warfare. There's a real spiritual war that's going Mm -hmm. on in the world and this is not to scare people but the reality is if we could see what was going on on a spiritual level around us, there would never be a moment in which we would cease to pray, one of my favorite authors says. (laughs) Right, like we would always be praying. Yeah. Notice, where are they going? It says, as we went to prayer. prayer. Yeah. Okay, so they still are going and meeting in that space. Mm. Now, there's there's powerful message in that. That's a public place. Mm. When they go out to this deserted place outside the city, they can be seen by anybody who's walking by. Yeah, hey. Isn't that different than inside a house? Because you have the opportunity to attract people. Mm. They might want to come and know. Not because they're preaching up on the corner necessarily or making a show of themselves, but because they're just out in public. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Now, as they're going, they're encountered by, and what does it say this this person is? She's a slave. A slave girl. Yeah. Yes. Okay, a slave girl, and she is possessed with a spirit of divination. Okay, let's make a side point here. Who's What's going on here? She's possessed, right? Okay, this is a woman who is afflicted by a demonic spirit whether that was by invitation or whether it was not, right? Mm. Somehow she has wound up in a situation where this is the case. It's very likely that she had welcomed that. Now I want you to notice something. Is she free or is she a slave? Well, she's a slave. She's a slave. Not not just like a slave to spirits, but like she's a, a physical slave. She's mm. a servant of someone in their cultural context. She's a girl. Not necessarily an adult woman, but it sounds like she's younger. This is horrific, right? Like this is not good. Now, I want you to take notice of this. This demon-possessed girl is following them, and she starts to say something. She follows Paul and Silas and Timothy and perhaps the believers from Lydia's house, and it says that she says something. What does she say? She says, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Which is actually true. Now, that's true. Mm. 
And this is something that I think we need to be very, very mindful of in our context. Yeah. Notice, number one, spirit of divination. What is divination? Fortune telling. There are many people in our context, you drive down the road, there are people who are involved in astrology, psychic palm readings, speaking to the dead, etc. Right? This is what's claimed to be happening. But the Bible makes it very clear right here that that is a spirit of divination, but that spirit of divination comes from not the dead, because the dead are dead and they know nothing. It's not coming from the stars, because those are balls of burning gas. What's going on? It's coming from evil spirits. Hmm. So notice this. Point number one, this is, this is not good. The source of information is not a valid source. However, not everything that they say is false, is it? Mm, yeah. Because if you really want to deceive somebody, you don't start off by telling 100% falsehood. You start by telling them truths the and truth, mix yeah. in error, and you get them to believe you, and you can lead them astray step by step. Absolutely. And this is exactly what's going on. Now, if you remember, when Jesus is interacting with demon-possessed persons in the Gospels, in almost every instance, the first thing that he says is, be silent. Hmm. And he stops the demons from speaking. He stops the evil spirits from speaking, even though they're saying, what do you have to do with us, Jesus, son of the most high God? They're calling him by his right name. Hmm. By the way, if you didn't know, evil spirits are fallen angels who spent who knows how long with Jesus in heaven prior to the creation of the earth. They know Jesus. They know lots more than you and I know. So, of course, they can tell you truths, but they're not trustworthy sources. The Bible calls the devil, who is a fallen angel, the leader of all of them, right? A liar and the father of lies. So, point I want to make here is just simply this. We should not trust the spirit of divination. The Bible says, don't listen to anybody who comes to tell you these things. If they speak anything outside of what Scripture affirms as truth, he says, don't listen to them. If they're trying to lead you away from what God has already revealed, don't listen to don't them. Don't trust it, yeah. And so when it says Paul is greatly annoyed, another way that word is, is translated is distressed. Paul was greatly distressed. Why? Because here comes somebody who's about to taint the message and the mission of the church. Ooh, yeah. Right? Because we have one spirit to listen to, the Holy Spirit. It's the only spirit we should be listening to. And he says here, whoa, 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 whoa. This is bad. The church is just starting. What's going on? Somebody's coming around here with a slave girl who's possessed by a demon, who's announcing things. Now, you might think to yourself, oh, well, that's good. It's going to gain, gain us tension. It's going to garner. No, 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 no. He says, no, because they're not telling the truth in the whole truth. They're not trustworthy. We need to silence this and stop this. Now, I want to take some. I'm talking a lot. Sorry, I'm preaching a whole sermon here. Oh, look, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> but let's keep going. Okay, so what does he do? He says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. He silences the problem. Hmm. He does exactly what Jesus does, and this is the pattern that Jesus sets for us, not to listen to evil spirits because they are not trustworthy sources of information. Mm. Okay, so then he goes on. Now, I want you to take note. She was a slave or a free girl? Slave. A slave girl. Now, if you're a slave, do you have masters? Yes. At least one, right? And it says in verse 19, when the masters, her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace to the authorities. And I think this is a really valuable point. If you see somebody who is afflicted, but you can make a profit out of it, how guilty is humanity of doing this? How guilty are we of doing this? Taking advantage of someone else's problems and afflictions for our own gain. Here's a girl who's possessed by evil spirits. She is set free. 
mm-hmm. by the grace of God because of what Paul said. She's set free. Now her masters, if they were good godly people, should be rejoicing and praising the Lord. She's been set free. But they're not because they're in the business of taking advantage of her yeah. for their own gain. And we see this happen all the world. The sex industry is the same thing. People being taken advantage of for the gain of others. We see this all over. The alcohol industry, the same thing. The drug industry, the same thing. Like all of this stuff, we see people being taken advantage of for the sake of others. And when someone is set free, people aren't happy about it because they're losing their profit. Yes. And so they drag Paul into the marketplace and they say, no, this man must be stopped because what he's doing is costing us money. Hmm. And how often in our life are we guilty of caring more about money than people? Oh, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, preach it, right? Because we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it, Hmm. right? Oh, man, I could go help that person, but that's going to cost me 50 bucks to fill up their jerry can of petrol and get them in their car and do all Man, that was expensive petrol, but (laughs) fill up their their tank with petrol, right? Like, it's going to cost me something. But the reality is, Jesus was willing to pay everything for the sake of people, Mm. for their their long-term eternal salvation, their permanent good. Should we not also be willing to do that? And Paul takes it. Paul's about to pay for it with his flesh. So let's keep reading. Let's read on through verse 24. Okay. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Verse 22. Then the multitude, the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and t- commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, so what happens to Paul because he has done what Jesus does? Jesus is in the business of setting people free. Mm. So his followers are in the business of setting people, people free. free. Yeah. And he sets this young girl free. He gets in prison for setting her free. Not only that, yeah. mate. He, he gets, gets beaten. beaten naked in the yeah. street. Yeah. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Like, this is full on, right? Not only does that happen, but think about this from the perspective of these new believers in Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, Paul just waltzed into town. He came uh-huh. to our prayer meeting, and he started showing us some cool stuff from the Bible, preaching to us about Jesus, it showed us how he was the answer to all of our hopes and our dreams. He told us the truth that he came and died for our sins. He overcame death. He resurrected, and all those who put their hope and their faith and their trust in Jesus will be freed from those, forgiven, will be living forever, new resurrection. Like, Whoa! Amazing! I'm going to give my whole life to this. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to... And then what happens? We're going to church. We're having a prayer meeting. And there's a demon-possessed girl, and he sets her free by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he gets taken into the marketplace, put before the authorities. They strip him naked, beat him naked in front of the whole town. And then they go put him in jail. And they're like, oh, that, that's oh, the Jesus we're following? Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, you mean when they mocked and scourged Jesus, that might happen to us too. Yeah. So, so, so think about this. This is foundational. This is the beginnings of this church. Yes. How serious would their faith have to be to stay in that from the very get-go, watching the starter of their faith be persecuted, naked, and thrown into prison? We'll get back to that in just a moment. This is Sarah Groves, When the Saints. Burning like a fire Shut up in my bones 
Welcome back to Real Faith. We were listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're going to get right back into our Bible study just after one more shameless plug. We would love to hear from you, your questions about spirituality or God or, you know, whatever it is that, that you've got questions about, we'd love to hear from you. And you can call in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM with those questions, or you can text them to us at 491 669 that's 0491-064-669. And our first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a book called The Great Controversy, which goes through, um, I mean, we've just talked about Paul being persecuted here, and it's going to continue um, in the story. And it actually follows through the story of many of the martyrs from yeah. 8070 onward through the early church um, and talks about their stories. It's an amazing book. I highly recommend that you seize that opportunity. Send us a question. It can be yours for free today. Um all right, so Paul has just been beaten naked, stripped, and he's put in prison. Mm-hmm. And he's willing to do this for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of these people. But this church, man, this church was born out of adversity, right? They've just taken faith in Jesus. They've just been convinced. And then it doesn't sound like it was very long before the leader of the church, Paul, has just been persecuted and thrown into prison. And these people had to realize, hey, man, like... We're either in or we're out, right? Like we were talking about in the break. Like this is yeah. this is real. This is legit. Yeah, you have to decide from the beginning, is this Jesus thing? Is it worth it? Because right. this is a result that we like we see before our eyes and we're gonna hear the stories of, ooh, if that's the cost, like am I willing to pay it? Is Jesus worth that? Yes. And the answer is yes. Yes. Well that's right. Well, <laughs> there ain't nothing the worth it like grows, Jesus. Right? And that's what we're gonna find out. So mm. the church keeps going and what happens next? So let's read verse twenty five through 28 okay but at midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the prisoners were listening to them suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose and the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open supposing the prisoners had fled drew his sword and was about to kill himself but paul called with a loud voice saying do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Whoa. Okay, so what a story, right? So what happens? <laughs> He's locked up in prison, and what are they doing? Well, they're praying and singing. And they're praying and they're singing loud enough mm. that all, all the, the other prisoners here. are listening. Mm. Mm-hmm. Paul has not forgotten the opportunity that's in front of him. Like, he's a witness wherever he goes. Now think about this. It's... It, it's not necessarily even that Paul was like in the middle of this going, okay, now I'm going to witness to these people and being really strategic. Mm-hmm. It could just be that he was in prison and he didn't know what else to do. So he was praying to God like <laughs> you would do in the middle of difficulty. Mm. And how many of us like to sing songs that relate to what we're going through right now, right? You're going through a breakup. What do you listen to? <laughs> Those sad, awful breakup songs, right? Mm-hmm. You're going through a joyous time. What do you do? You put on your happy tunes, right? We know this. And so what are they doing? He's singing psalms and hymns, and he and Silas, they've, they're thrown in jail. They're singing songs to God. They're praying through the night. Mm. And that witness happens to everybody. Mm. Everybody in that prison knows. And so everybody knows what's going on. They know why Paul's here. They know why he's in prison and what's going on. And what happens? Well, all the doors come open. There's an earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. The prisoner, the guy who's in charge, he's like, whoa, I'm awake. This isn't the situation as it should be. Yeah. Like <laughs> Understatement you know, of the century. Yeah, he's like, this because he's at the point of suicide because yeah, he's literally. just like, this is that bad. So, yeah, he's in a position where, hey, yeah. dude, if all of these prisoners have gotten loose, mm. this is Rome. 
Yeah. I'm dead anyway. This is not New South Wales, right? (laughs) Yeah. This is Rome. You're Mm -hmm. dead. Mm -hmm. You failed to keep the prisoners under under wraps. You're put to death tomorrow. That's Mm -hmm. it. You're awaiting death because you failed. Like this is this is serious. And um, God has done a, a crazy miracle. Notice that it's not just Paul and Silas who are set free. All the doors are open. All the doors are so open. All, all the, the changes. Prisoners. Everybody's free. Yeah. And he runs in and he's like, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh no, the doors are open. Everybody's escaped. I'm going to kill myself because it's better to die here like this than to be executed and publicly shamed. Mm. Right? And so he's about to off himself. And Paul calls out, do yourself no harm. We're all We're here. All here. Mm. So let's keep reading and find out what happens. 29 onwards. Then he called for a light. This is the uh, jailkeeper. Ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him to all, and, and to all those who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately... He and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now, this is a full-on experience. Like, talk about testimony, <laughs> yeah. conversion experience, right? Absolutely. So what's going on with this jailer? What happens? Well, he, he understands that there's something supernatural at play. Yeah. He's like, this is not normal. <laughs> totally. Like, I need you to explain to me how I can be saved. How can I know this thing that is clearly having a massive impact in your life? Yeah. And he's like, come to my house. And again, it's this, it's this house ministry, right? Yeah. Come to me into my space where I am and share with those I love. Totally. Like, Oh, so many cool points to draw out of this, hey? Mm. And I love this because he comes in and he says, sir, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. Right? Which means, that's not the normal question everybody just asks. <laughs> which, yeah. This means that he had heard. Yeah, he understands. He had gotten some sort mm. of wind. He understood that there was wrong, there was evil. Mm. He'd been a part of it like all humanity has. And he realizes, hey, wh- something's coming. What must I do to be saved? Yeah. What must I do to, be, to have what you have? Mm. Right? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And I love this. Paul is, Paul is never just in the business of one. Mm. Like he's doing it for everybody. Remember all yeah. things that by all means I might save some. Mm. And so he says, hey, you and all of your household, they can all be saved too. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to take notice of this. Sometimes we think like, oh man, it was so easy. They just turn around and <laughs> baptize them. Like, wow, no big deal. No, no, no. He understood. I'm signing up right now with the guy who got flogged and beaten naked in the street and thrown into this prison cell and might die. Mm. Yeah, I want, I want, I'm going in I with want him. I want some of that, yeah. Right, like he's making a decision for Christ that I have never made, mm. right? Like I've yeah. never had to make that decision to follow Jesus. And God willing, if I, if I ever have to, I will make that right choice. But he did. And so his cost for baptism was like, I'm all in, dude. Mm. I am all in because I've seen it and it's real. And I'll take whatever it is because I want to follow Jesus. Mm. And so he's immediately baptized. His whole family's baptized, knowing the full extent of what might happen to them. And they're throwing their cards in with Jesus. Mm. They're lots in with Jesus. I love this. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And so they take them into their home. And this, remember, who is the church of Philippi? Well, so far, it's Lydia's, <laughs> Lydia's household. House and now his. And the jailer's household. Yeah. This is the church. Mm. And it keeps going and uh, it gets just super awesome. 
it's, it's not done yet. So let's keep reading. Let's finish off this chapter. Okay, I'm just going 35 to the end. Okay, this is verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. (laughs) And the officers told these words to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. I love this. I love this. Okay, so they come up to him like, all right, the jailer's gotten the good news, and he's just like a new believer, and he comes in and Paul's like, hey, I got good news. Mm. You can be free. Mm. And Paul's like, uh-uh. No, no. He's like, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. Let me, let me tell you something. <laughs> they uh, have beaten us openly. We're not condemned. There was no trial. Mm. We're Roman citizens. We have rights. Mm. That what they have done is illegal, <laughs> and they've thrown us into prison. And now they want to put us out secretly without having to, you know, have any any problems? I don't think so. You don't, not a chance. We're not walking out of here unless they come in and get us themselves. And I love this because this is not just about being cocky or being demanding or putting himself up. No, 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 no. What's he doing? He's defending the gospel. Yes. You threw me in here unrightly. Yeah. And you have now decided that I have done nothing worthy of condemnation. Mm-hmm. So you take me out and you show the whole people of this city that... I, as a representative of Jesus, have not been in the wrong, but that you have been in the wrong. And they also didn't say this at, like beforehand, before they were thrown in. They didn't claim the, I'm a Roman. They went, all right. They just took it. He's mm. strategic. And mm. we're going to come back to that after our next portion. Let's go to the to this song by Kayla Hopkins.
To Faith FM, positively different radio. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. For what you're calling me to Lord, with your strength I'm 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, it has come that time for, for uh, well, I suppose it's a, uh, what time What time is it, Shell? Have you got, you... oh, question of the week, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I haven't heard that in like six months. <laughs> oh, I, this is the second time I've done the show with you and I forget that that's your little <laughs> Oh, so good. <laughs> so so good. enjoyable. Um, Oh, man. So, yeah, it's question of the week, and we have a question from Mick. Yes. So Mick's going to so. receive a free copy of a book called The Great Controversy, which goes through some of the history of the church following on from post-Acts of the Apostles days. Yeah. So the question is, didn't the most horrific persecution of Christians happen before 70 AD, especially under Nero? Okay. So that's a great question. And... uh I am not an expert on this question, unfortunately, but I've been trying to do some research, and um, one of the interesting things that I've found is it's very difficult to actually find statistics of how many people <laughs> yeah. died under the persecution of Nero and under the persecution of later Roman leaders of mm. the um, time period of the Roman Empire, and then later on when the religious wars during the Inquisition, etc., happened. It, it, it all gets a little fuzzy in terms mm. of actually how to interpret that data and finding reliable sources of data is actually quite difficult. So what I would say in answer to that is there was certainly some horrific persecutions that took place under Nero. Um, I think it was 64 AD when, when the, the, yeah. the city of Rome was burnt. Um, some people 
put forward the idea that Nero himself had started the fire. He was a very unpopular emperor at times. Um, he had Christians burned alive. Um, that happened also during the Inquisition, during the Protestant Reformation. Significant numbers of people were burnt alive for what was called heresy then as well. Mm. Um, so we actually see a, we see a lot happening in the first century, but we also see it repeated in the second century. We also see it repeated again in the preceding century, not preceding, the following centuries as well. Mm. And then the history of the church is actually incredibly bloody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Horrifically bloody, very unchristlike, um, I would say. Many of the wars of the world have been fought under religious banners, um, including, unfortunately, the Christian banner, mm. and that's horrific. So the the simple answer to the question is I have had a very difficult time finding the numbers because they're very well disputed, um, but the numbers that are quoted following um, during particularly the Protestant Reformation are also quoted as higher. The population of Christians at that time would have been significantly higher, too. Yeah. So. Hard to, hard to really answer that question. Sorry, Mick, I don't have anything more than that. I have, you've given me some homework. I'm curious. I've got to go home and do some more some more research on that. Do you have anything to add, Minnie? Oh, great no, question, uh, by the way. Absolutely. No, and that's kind of, I was pretty much just going to follow on from what you were saying. It was just, I was kind of trying to read a few different things. I mean, obviously, Mick has, he'll get the book, The Great Controversy. And, you know, have a read of that. Just let us know what you think if you have any more thoughts or questions. Um, you know, there are some kind of standout points of history that we talk about you know there were some really significant massacres in church history which is yep. terrible but as you said you know with that reformation time we know that man there were so many martyrs and i don't know i guess the question is you know what what was the most horrific persecution i think during that reformation dark ages kind of history that possibly went on for a longer amount of time mm. than under Nero specifically. Well, so, that makes a, yeah, that's, yeah a, that's a huge point. You know, it so kind Nero of, ruled for you know a number of years as opposed to a period of persecution you know, during the Dark Ages that's right. that took place for hundreds of years. That's right. Under so multiple leaders. How you know how it, for me it's hard to kind of gauge that. Like um, you know, we obviously massive, see massive church growth in that time too. Oh, um, for sure. But at both periods, really, like you know, either going back seventy AD or through those times, or really even the church today, it may not be the same. Um, I guess, yeah, caliber maybe of persecution, but we still see it. Well, it depends and, on where you are too. Well, that's right. That's but, right. So here's, here's here's one of the challenges in answering this question as well. So when I went on to do research on modern day martyrdom, there are claims that you average it out to 90,000 um, deaths per year yeah. of Christians. Yep. But those are disputed as well by different different groups. So it's really hard to find a hard and fast answer to that question for any of these periods. Mm. Um I have I have found it so far, but if you find any other information as well, I would love to hear it. So please feel free to send that in to Mick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that is really clear, I think, from all of this, is that there there are going to be times of persecution, no matter what, mm. in this life. Jesus foretold that that would happen up to the coming of the like. In, so in Matthew twenty four, for example, Jesus talks about this and these and that and those, mm. um, if you're familiar with that passage of Scripture. And he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, which we know happens in AD 70, but he also then refers to a second period of time, which is the time before his coming. Yeah. And he makes parallels there. And he talks about a number of things that are going to happen prior to the coming of Jesus. And in the Greek, and you can see it in the English as well, he actually changes words from this yeah. and these to that and those. In this day... And in that day, in these days, and in those, those days. days. And in the Greek, they are two different words that delineate two different specifics, Time just like in English. 
And so when he's talking about that, he makes a transition. He talks about the, the destruction that comes up to Jerusalem in AD 70, and then he transitions and he talks about the things that are going to happen before the coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he continues to talk about the rising of false prophets and people turning on each other. And it's actually really fascinating. So there are parallels that do go on further into history. We see that during the Reformation as a particular case point, because during that time there was a lot of persecution. Mm. And there was also just a lot of war, Protestants and Catholics killing each other as well. So it becomes quite a quite a horrific part of history amazing that people were able to come to the knowledge of Jesus in the midst of that yeah. because um, there was a lot of misrepresentation as there is today even now we see lots of persecution taking place in certain places in the world um, we think of things that have happened in China in the recent times and there are lots of people being imprisoned there are still people being tortured for their faith today um, so it's it's really hard to know but mm. one thing that we can know is that in the midst of persecution just like Jesus was faithful to Paul he will be faithful to us. Yeah. And I'm reminded also of, uh, I don't remember who makes this quote, but the quote is that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the gospel. Mm. And it's amazing cool. that when people stand for their faith and receive persecution, just like in the story here with Paul, others witness this. They witness faithfulness and steadfastness to Jesus in the midst of undue persecution. And that witness leads other people to surrender their lives to Jesus. And it's amazing. You would think it would do the opposite. Yeah. But what it does is it often draws a line in the sand, so mm-hmm. to speak. And people do what they did here in Acts chapter 16. They either say, I'm all in or I'm all out. Because when when you're faced with difficulty and serious trial, and let's be real, there's persecution that happens in our Western context here in Australia to, to Christians, but typically it's significantly less than it is in the context that we're reading of. Like, yeah. I don't personally know anybody who's been flogged naked in the streets in, in Australia for their faith in Jesus. But when that kind of thing happens, many people decide, hey, what you've got is worth living for because I don't have anything like that in my life that makes me want to stand up against this opposition Mm. or that opposition. And so when people see real faith lived out, there are some who will decry that, but there are others who will surrender their lives to Jesus because it makes it that much more real. They can see the gospel in action in a real person's life. So I hope that helps there a little bit, Mick, but thank you for your question. This is Chris Rice. Hallelujahs.
those wings Oh, thunders burn and Saturn's rings Unveil our Father as you sing And my soul wells up with hallelujahs Oh, praise Him all His mighty works There is no language where you Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM, and we are so pleased to have you with us today. It's our first day back from uh, the holiday period, and super excited to be back on the radio. Got a uh, a new co-host signed up to start in with us in a few yeah. weeks as well, and so Minnie's doing an awesome job filling in for her in the meantime. But she's going to be awesome. But she's going to be like. great, so we're super excited for that. And uh, yeah, I, one of my favorite parts of this show is when we get to the practical application question, because in mm. my personal perspective... Faith is real when it becomes practical, mm, right? Hundred percent. And uh, like I like, I talk about liking to have faith. Like faith has to have feet. <laughs> like faith needs yeah. to move. It needs to. It, faith is like belief plus action, right? Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine said that to me once. Belief plus action equals faith, and I thought that's that's poignant yes. because it's not just intellectual. It's not just cerebral. It's mm-hmm. something that works itself in, into real life, and uh, we see that throughout Scripture. So. From this story that we've read in Acts 16, which is setting the stage for our study of Philippians, what can we learn? What are some practical things that we can apply from this into our own life? What is some real practical stuff out of here? Do you have any thoughts that you'd like to open with, Minnie, or would you like me to go first? Oh, look, you can go for your life if you have some that are immediately in your head. Oh, I have to look at my notes. <laughs> no, go for oh, it. Oh, no, look, my, my main thing... Um, I guess I was just thinking a lot about, you know, even from the start of where we were reading that they're trying to go and they're so connected with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives that um, they go, oh, can't go there. However that looks, we don't know, as we said. Uh, And I know I've spoken to you, Robbie, about this and maybe for you guys listening, um, this is something in your life that you're great at. But for me, just the power of prayer, I think is really significant. You know, they're, they're praying all throughout this story. They're praying in the jail, they're singing in the jail. And for me, I'm like, man, where's this space that I'm, I'm really, I'm really spending that time with God because this circumstance didn't create that character in them. It revealed this character in them. Ooh. You know? Oh, so, you should say that again. 
The circumstance did not create the faith. It revealed the faith that was already in action. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so I think- That's profound. We see them going into this persecution, but they, you don't go, you can't necessarily, maybe you can, maybe you can't necessarily find in persecution what you can't go in with. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like persecution is not going to all of a sudden turn you into the strongest believer in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But persecution will reveal Mm. how real your faith is. And Yeah. yeah. You come through that and it can grow your faith and strengthen you. But yeah, yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah. So I guess difficulty often reveals, and we know that to be true outside of a spiritual context too. When you face difficulty, your character is revealed. Yes. Like who you really are underneath when you're not calm and collected (laughs) is revealed when you're under stress. Yeah. I love that. Another thing that I like out of this is listening for God's leading, Mm. right? And prayer, I think, is a huge part of that. It requires prayer, it requires steadfastness, but also listening for God's leading requires practice. Yes, yeah. Right? You listen for God's leading, you learn. Mm. Because it's like any relationship, you gotta learn to hear. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Something else that I think can be taken out of this by those of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, right? When normal methods are unavailable to share the gospel, utilize plan B, utilize plan C, <laughs> utilize plan D. That's what Paul did. He made the most of every opportunity because he really believed what he was preaching mm. and he lived it. And so I love that. I want to add something else into that isn't necessarily the main thing we were speaking about, but uh, this is something I've just been finding in my life and it's something I actually, I grapple with quite a lot is this had to be an individual faith for each of them, but this was not a solo journey of Paul. Ooh, community. Community, man. Even if that is your one other person, even if that's the, hey, right now you're in a different part of the state, but you're all I've got. I don't yet know where to find a church. I don't yet have. You do know what I mean, like. And if you have people around you, tap into that. I'm I'm terrible at this. I'm like, Jesus, I just don't know what to do. And he actually never, you know, Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. Yeah. You know, so let's. Paul and Silas and Timothy, three men going out on a ministry journey. Yep. And then they have people who invite them into their homes, and they accept. Yeah. You know, because they see that there's this value in doing life yeah, with totally. the people who are seeking. Another point. If you are wanting to share Jesus, it doesn't necessarily need to be in a synagogue or a mm. church building. Like lots of ministry takes place in the home, and we see that here. The church was started in a house. Have people to your home. Pray together. Yeah. Share Jesus with them through your life, through Bible studies, through whatever. Spend time with people sharing Jesus in your home. Your home is the, is, the home is one of the places where people are most willing to get to know Jesus. So take advantage of that. Mm. Um, for those of you who are either new to this this journey of faith in Jesus or maybe not yet there and you're just curious, I think one thing out of this story that strikes me is that Jesus and what he can do in your life is very compelling when you see the reality that people like Paul were willing to die yeah. because of how good it was to be with Jesus. He says, mm. man, I, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. He says, I can do all things Mm. through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, he's saying, this is not like a a victory mantra of (laughs) I can do anything, all things are possible. No, no, he's saying, I can make it through any difficult circumstance. We're gonna come to that because that's in the book of Philippians. Mm. But he says, I can do all things. I can survive through any difficulty, any trial or any success because I have Jesus. Mm. And that faith in Jesus has done everything for me. And I believe that that is the truth And what we see in Paul's life can be experienced in our own lives. And so I want to just put that out there. If you haven't given Jesus that opportunity, we invite you to do that today. Say yes to Jesus. Give him the chance to demonstrate and prove to you that life with him is better than life without him because he will follow through and he will get you through. 
So without any further ado, it's been great to have you guys back. We may pray that God will bless you. And just remember as you're going out through your day, real faith is lived faith. 